0: What's up? What's up? What's up? Good to see you, Church of Church. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. Happy Sunday to you. Let me say the appropriate thing. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Hey, if you have not met you yet, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're glad that you are with us. If you're joining us online, thanks for, for being with us as well. We are in a uh, short series celebrating the month of Advent, which is also celebrating Christmas, and we have uh, so far look at the themes of hope, of love, and of joy, and today, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, typically, traditionally, we talk about peace. I'm going to stretch that a little bit. Today, we're going to talk about mercy, and we're going to do that from, um, from the story of Joseph in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the very first gospel, the gospel of Matthew. We're going to be looking at just four verses, verse 18 through 21. And as is our tradition, when you find it, we're going to read these words out loud. They'll be all on the screen for you to to read if you don't have your Bible or an app handy. Matthew 1, verses 18, 18 through 21. Let's read these together. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, on this uh, week before Christmas, actually less than a week, we, uh, we give you thanks. We thank you for life in our bodies, uh, the, the, the air we breathe, activity in our limbs. We thank you for uh, this country that we live in. We thank you for the gathering of your church where we freely come and and sing songs, and open the scriptures, and render our worship to you. Lord, we thank you for Christmas time, and in this beautiful setting of, of of decorations, and holiday treats, and uh, the sound, and the, the, the thrills of, of kids as they get excited for the season. And as we come today, Lord God, we pray that you'd help us to train our eyes on really the reason for the season, this babe that was born in a manger in the most Humble and insignificant of circumstances, uh, Jesus, that that one who co- who's, who's come, that the Bible says will come again, and we pray that you, for just a few minutes, would train our hearts and our minds on on what his coming means for us and what it means for our world. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, "Amen," and "Amen." All right, Christmas time, Advent, fourth week, um, and if you think about it, Christmas time is this. It's a season where we look, and everything that we see reminds us of of God's promises. I mean, I sort of rehearsed it in my prayer. Think about the decorations that you see, not just in here, not just in your home, but, but just all around. I don't know about uh, your neighborhood. I live uh, in a neighborhood near, in obviously near Kingstown, uh, near Wegmans, and it's just lit up, It's and especially this year. It seems like everybody started early, and they're just going all out to show their festive holiday spirit, and I love it. But it's not just in the decorations, it's in the foods that we eat, it's in the, the, the sweet treats that we share. You guys have blessed our family, like our, our counter is like covered with all kind of sweet treats, and y'all know I like sweets, right? So stop it, Be, because it's not good for over 50-year-old to eat all that stuff. It's in the themed coffee cups that we go to, Starbucks and Pete's, right? It reminds us of the festivities of the season, it's in those gifts that we get as we go shopping at the mall. Of course, this year is not too much shopping at the mall, maybe a little bit, but more importantly is, is shopping online. Amazon.com has got us like like fixed, right? It's in the wrapping of those gifts that we eventually put under our trees. And through these, we get filled with the excitement and the anticipation of what is coming. You guys know what's coming? You guys don't look too excited. <laughs> about what's coming we're like five days from christmas right five days away from christmas as i was growing up I just these memories uh always come back to me at christmas time christmas was my favorite holiday actually my favorite day of the year was christmas eve on that day our family kind of went from durham north carolina and uh, my mom grew up in chapel hill north carolina in the country of, of chapel hill, like like dirt roads and all that stuff and that was kind of our, our Christmas. Um, our family would join with my mother's uh, m- my mother's mother, my grandma Pearl, and uh, if you can imagine a family so close that they live all in the same street, same neighborhood, that's kind of like my mom's family. That's how I grew up. I grew up going from house to house to house with aunts and great-aunts and cousins and uncles and Friends and family, something that I knew something that i didn 't know, and that was like my at least my every summer experience and then we rehearsed that all through the holiday season, particularly on christmas Eve and so our family would go we'd go to my grandma 's house and then uh, my grandma and some of my uh, my, my mom 's siblings would go to this one neighborhood where house after house after house after house are just people on my mother 's side and we 'd go from one house and we eat treats and we sing songs and we tell stories adults and kids all mixed together and it was festive and it was fun and those are some of my favorite memories of Christmas and at the end of uh, you know about the time we were leaving every house there'd be this uh, this gift exchange where we give some gifts and we get some gifts and then we go to the next house and we do the same thing And by the end of the night Man, I mean, we weren't tired. We were just filled with excitement and anticipation for that thing that was coming. What's that thing that was coming? Well, for my brother and I was presence, right? Presence under the tree. And so at the end of the night, we would get back in our car and we would travel the, uh, the 25, 30 minutes up the road through Carborough, right by UNC Chapel Hill, so that, uh, so that we could see the lights and just the festive nature of how the streets and the cities and the houses were all decked out. And then we'd get home and my parents would do as best as they could to put me and my brother Greg in bed. Of course, like any kid, I mean, we were like wide-eyed, like trying to stay up because we wanted to see the the, the man in in red and white. And uh, I mean, the thing that we were excited for were the presents, the presents under the tree. And my brother and I, we like, I mean, we like any and all gifts. Like uh, the, the peanut brittle from my grandma. My grandma gave me peanut brittle as a gift every christmas until the day she died and it was like it's like one of my favorite treats because my grandmother used to give it to me uh so often year after year we got socks from my my great-aunts and they put quarter (laughs) their quarters they put a little bit of money quarters in the socks we got one or two dollars from of course i'm talking 70s 80s guys come on that's that's a lot of money for a kid way back then we got a couple of dollars from my uncles, um, but like Hot Wheels, race cars, remote control stuff, um, I mean, like any kind of toy, that's what my my brother and I like. Um, my favorite gift for like four or five years were hamsters, and uh, I, I don't know why, I just I just like having hamsters, I like holding them, I had a little cage, and they had a little, the whole, little wheel going, 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 going. For some reason, I kept killing them, and so uh, my, my parents kept getting me hamsters year after year, and it ended up being one of my favorite gifts. I still remember today. Get me a hamster, I'll love him, at least for a couple months. <laughs> we all get excited for gifts. Those are the things that we want, the things that we need. It's especially the, the unexpected gifts. They're, they're often, sometimes special. But of course, as we gather as a church, the thing that we are most excited about at Christmas is the fulfillment of God's promises. This baby born in a manger that ends up being our Messiah. We look forward to the gifts, the promises that God gives and shares with us that comes in a form of, of this baby, Jesus. And that really is the meaning of the season. And each week at Advent, we get to acknowledge these gifts, the gifts of hope and of love and of joy and and of peace. These promises that, that God gives That we continue to look for their fulfillment in our world. Yes, Christ has come and we have received these gifts in the person that he has come to be and all that he does in his ministry on earth. But we in the 21st century have this anticipation, this excitement that he will come again. And yet these gifts of hope and love and of joy will not just be filled in our world, but in the world to come. And that's what we are anticipating. Remember that Jesus is the hope of the nations, that he calls forth reconciliation and unity. And though we may not see it now, we will see it fully when he comes. That he creates us so that we can become one with himself and each other. And we celebrate this picture of hope, this picture that God makes possible all things, things that we could not even think to ask or hope for. That's what we hope about. That's what we hope for. Remember that Jesus has come to offer light and life. John's gospel says it best. His light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so our anticipation is that that darkness will shine in us, and the more it shines in us, it's going to leak out into the world that we live in. That's how that works. Remember the love of God that gives us, that gives and gives and gives, and it gives us Jesus. God gives us himself when he gives so that we know that there isn't anything that would ever separate us from that love, and so during Advent we celebrate Emmanuel, the God who was made flesh. John Gos- John's gospel says, the God who is with us, who comes to deliver us, and will never leave us nor forsake us. And that's what Advent is about. Of course, at Christmas time we love the gifts, but Christmas is all about the God who gives and gives up Himself and hope and love and joy. And peace, and we acknowledge these promises, reminding ourselves that we always have reasons to rejoice. And so as we celebrate and look for these signs that says to us now, now is the time that we'll receive this thing that we've been waiting for. Now, 2,000 years ago, that sign was none other than a baby crying out in this manger, piercing the silent night. And I want you to think about that for a minute. This baby crying out in the stillness of night. You probably hear a little calf lulling, lulling a, a cow mooing. But other than that, the night is still and quiet. And then you hear this baby crying out in the stillness of the night. Which, if we're honest, it doesn't sound too appealing, does it? Not to you parents in the room with little bitty babies. I mean, have you ever gotten excited? Have you ever anticipated? Have you ever even wanted to be awakened, startled, like by a baby crying in the middle of the night? No parent wishes for that. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? So last night, true story, it's been a long time since the tumors had a baby crying in the middle of the night. Thank God. But last night, like I was having the best sleep. I might have been even dreaming. And all of a sudden... The, the fire alarm panel in, in the bedroom goes off, and it's like, what is going on? And uh, of course, it was originating in the basement, and everybody, everybody, the whole house got up, and we we're all rushing to the basement because we thought something was was wrong. And that's kind of what this baby in the middle of the night coming, uh, disrupting the, the silent night is like. It's something that you don't wait for, it's something you don't anticipate, it's something that you don't get excited about, it's actually something that you don't even want. And every parent experienced this. It's like your baby. Uh, we're all told that you're, you get a kid and it's, it's a bundle of joy. But what, when a baby's crying in the middle of the night, all you want that bundle of joy to do is stop crying, right? How do I get him to stop doing what he's doing? The Bible is right. Kids are a gift of God. But every parent asks, well, our, 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 our kids are gifts of God uh, until they're not. And sometimes in the middle of the night, our kids are not. And I think that's how Advent works. The song is right. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? It's the happiest season of all. Advent is like that. It's a wonderful time. We come to worship and and everyone and, and everything is filled with light and life and hope and life, except sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes our our lives don't feel like that. Sometimes the circumstances that we are under won't let us experience that. Sometimes it's like a baby crying in the middle of the night that wakes us up from a very good sleep, thinking about dreaming about vacation in Hawaii, and then the baby starts crying. Sometimes we're left wondering. We're left stuck, lost, alone, afraid, consumed by the circumstances of our life, consumed by bad news. Sometimes Christmas doesn't feel like what we want or think it should feel like. Have you ever been in that place that Christmas is going on all around you? Everybody seems merry and bright, but for, for you, maybe, it just isn't. It feels like you're alone. You're not part of the program. You're more not perfect picture, but more problem. And if you're like that, you're not alone. I don't know if you've noticed it. I'm like a news junkie. And in the news this year in particular, there have been several articles talking about the other side of Christmas, talking about the dark side of Christmas. Of course, it's it's looking at the pandemic and what it has done to our lives such that when we come to holidays like this that are supposed to be festive and joyous, it's not like that for many people who've experienced like a, a corporate grief or a personal grief. One author that I read, actually this article comes from several years ago. Her name is Lisa Cataldo, and she's writing about the experience of of Advent. And she says, People think we're supposed to be happy during the holidays. This is supposed to be the time of, of sharing with your family, of positive relationships, of celebration and joy. Many people feel alienated because they're not in that space. That idealized image of the holidays only makes them feel the lack of those things more acutely when they don't have it. Even if one gets beyond the shoulds attached to the idealized holiday season, there still remains the stark reality that something has been lost. This is true for people who are in the midst of active mourning, but also for anyone who's experienced any kind of loss. The author says, at Advent, the absence absence of those things, of the familial things, becomes louder. Now, to be true, this article was written, again, a couple years ago, and it's talking specifically about the grieves that we experience that are exacerbated, that, that become more pronounced in our lives uh, during the holiday season. But what, I mean, what year for this to be more prominent than, than right now in 2020? Christmas time is, you know, for us, is, is the season that we want to be picture perfect. We want it to be, to be festive. We want it to be, to, to be, to joyous. But sometimes we actually don't feel that way. Sometimes we experience the other side. Sometimes when we walk through the season of hope, all we feel is fear. Sometimes when we crave unconditional love, we find ourselves in the middle of of family dysfunction and of isolation. We look for joy, but all we feel is is despair. Sometimes in this, this season of hope and of love and of joy and of peace, it's not good news that we're getting, but we're getting a little bit of good news in the midst of a lot of circumstantial bad news, a season of mixed emotion and mixed messaging, such as Advent. Imagine someone walking up to you And the first words that come out of their mouth as they see you, they say, hey, Jeff, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. How do you respond to that? Typically, right, our heart starts to patter a little bit. Your eyebrows furrow, right? You might uh, open your mouth a little bit to form that, uh uh-oh, this is going to be a tough conversation coming up here, right? And then a person begins to ensue whatever that they're going to say. That's kind of like Advent. It's good news, but it's also bad news. And we know that when we look at this particular text in the midst of Advent, that very first Christmas in the story of Joseph. Here's what we read in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from from the Holy Spirit. Matthew is a unique gospel. All the gospels are unique. The the gospel writers are writing from a different perspective to give us a holistic point of view of of Jesus, who is the Christ. Matthew is writing to Jewish readers, and he's trying to convince them that the the Messiah of the Old Testament that was to come is this Jesus born in the manger that grows up and does miracles and dies on the cross in our place for our sin. And so Matthew's gospel opens up with this uh, kind of, Grand lineage of a man that 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 um, culminates in a man named Joseph, and Joseph comes from the uh, the lineage of david that that goes all the way way back to to Abraham, which means he 's in a lineage of kings now we 've talked about last week Joseph is a simple man Joseph is not going to be a king in first century uh, Israel uh, they are an occupied state so they don't even have a king right so he's not going to become a king but but even though this Joseph is a simple man if anyone had promised to his life Joseph actually did we don't know a lot about him in fact all that we know about Joseph the Joseph of the Bible is is right here in these in these four verses of scripture and so a lot of what we are talking about his life, we put together through the, 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 the few words that are said about him and the situation that he's in, in all of the Gospels. The, the, the text calls him just, which means he's righteous, which means he's lived his life in some measure of integrity, fitting with the family that he's grown up with. Though he, though he doesn't have much, as we talked about last week, he has a good stature. He comes from the right family, which is important, because the Messiah that's to be born and Bethlehem is to be born in the line of David, and so that' that's that's, um, that's the sovereignty of God being worked out in joseph 's life more specifically to, to what the text is talking about though he 's engaged the woman of his dreams, and like many of us feel when we meet our potential spouse, we get giddy about it, he likely had the, the, the outlook that his marriage to Mary would make the uh, make him the best best version. himself, and they were going to live happily ever after. Don't we all hope for that? Things are looking good. Joseph is surrounded with God's promises. He's filled with hope, but then one day Mary comes to him, and she starts that conversation. Joseph, sweetheart, darling, I've got good news, and I've got bad news, right? His, his eyebrows furrow, his eyes get wide, his mouth drops, uh-oh, I've got a tough conversation coming up. And then Mary begins to talk. And what does she say? She says, sweetheart, I'm having a child, and it's not yours. And of course, everything else that Mary probably says in that moment, Joseph can't hear because he's grabbed, I mean, he's trying to grasp the, the situation at hand. He's confused, he's dazed, it's not happening like it's supposed to to happen, Think about what Joseph might be going through at this moment. Like, are you telling me good news or bad news? How is this possible? How in the world has this happened? Did you say what I think you said? All these things are happening in Joseph's mind and probably in his heart at that, at that moment. And all of a sudden, his hopes and his dreams are all shattered. Mary keeps talking, but all Joseph can hear and think about is the bad news of her being pregnant and him not being pregnant the father. He's thinking in his head about this, this perfect person, Mary, the one he's betrothed to, who's going to be his wife. And he, and he's thinking about, like, he's wondering, like, do I even know this woman? Like, if she's hiding this, what else could she be hiding? I I thought she was perfect, but she's more of a problem than being perfect. And what else is going on in her life that I have not known about? Just imagine all the things Joseph is feeling, all the things that that he's thinking, the ways that he's immediately hurting because of the situation he finds himself in. Everything he knew to be true up to that moment has been proven false by these words from his betrothed that she's pregnant and the baby is not his. And he's trying to make sense of all of this, of the problem, of the brokenness of the situation, of the bad news. I think it would be right to say Joseph is, he at least feels stuck. He feels alone. He doesn't know what to do, but he knows that he can't stay in his predicament. He has to take some kind of an action. Now, the Bible tells us, and we know this because it's, it's in Matthew's Gospel, Joseph is Jewish, and so he knows the law. He's righteous, so he knows the penalty for sexual intimacy before, before wedlock. And, of course, that's what he's thinking right now. He's his, his, his engaged to be wife. Is, is pregnant and he knows that he's not the father and so that's what he's thinking, that she's been intimate before marriage and the, the person that she's been intimate with is not him. An engaged Jewish couple were, were considered um, legally bound. And so it's not an engagement like what we would experience here in, in, our, in our culture. Uh, uh, usually first century Jewish marriages were arranged and so you had a, um, an engagement that lasts for a whole year And that was so that you could get to know the person that you were about to marry. And so, uh, on top of that, the legal action of marriage would have already taken place. And so Joseph knew that there were only, there were really two legal things that he could do to annul this marriage. One, he could divorce Mary, and that would have made her the, the scourge of society for the rest of her life. The second thing he could have done was he could have sentenced her or had her sentenced to death because of her act of infidelity. But anyway, you look at this, Joseph feels stuck. He likely feels all alone. Mary brings him good news, like good news that she's having a baby. But all he can think about, this is not good news. This is bad news. And, and he feels like there's no way out. And so what does a man like Joseph do in this situation? Can I offer to you, this, this is Advent. This, this is the Bible's perspective of Advent, not just the festivities and the food and the frivolity of the holidays and the gift-giving, it's the diff- difficulty of the circumstances of life that's, that, that plagues us alongside the, the celebration of the moment. This is Advent, not a picture-perfect family scenario with hot cocoa, playing games in your, your family room, listening to Christmas tunes and thinking about gift-giving that night or on Christmas Day. It's like being startled by, by my fire alarm panel in the middle of the night and, and being awakened out of a, a really good sleep. It's, it's like you young parents being startled by your baby crying in the middle of the night and not being able to console that baby. This is being consumed by a personal terror, stuck between a rock and a hard place. That, that describes Joseph's predicament, his situation. He's stuck. He feels alone. He probably feels like he can't tell anybody what's going on and he actually does not know what to do. And yet he takes actions to move forward. Verse 19, Joseph being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That would be the righteous thing to do. It's not his baby. This, this perfect woman has turned out to be problematic. All right, I won't make it too bad on her. I'll just keep it quiet. I'll keep on the down low and I'll divorce her. He tries to save face, dismiss her quietly. It wouldn't have been a quick decision. He would have toiled over this for a a number of days, perhaps a number of weeks. I imagine he had a lot of sleepless nights. And yet as he's in that place, perhaps one of the darkest moments he's ever faced in his life, tossing and turning in the peril of the decision that he has to make and knows that he is going to make, here's what happens. God meets him where he is. God sends an angel, and that angel, although the angel doesn't give him a full picture, offers him some news of encouragement, he gives him a way forward. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, the things of the, the, the angel had said, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. First, the angel. We have this cute uh, impression uh, of, of what angels look like—like like fat little uh, translucent cherubs with arrows, and they're firing those arrows to make us love each other, right? All right, that's not the biblical perspective of, of an angel. An angel is a a a mighty warrior. They're not—they're anything but cute. They go and they they do war in the heavens to bring about God's plans on the earth even in our lives uh, more importantly angels are mighty messengers and like the the named abriel uh angel gabriel comes to mary here's an unnamed angel but he's coming again to deliver a message from god to the person is intended to in the moment and that person is joseph the advent story is filled with these appearances of angels because uh, the Advent story is this huge event in the in the redemption of God, right? And so, what God wants it to work as He's planned it to work, and so the angels are the ones causing His providence to come about. And so, here God's angel intervenes to to, to give Joseph uh, a better way, right? A better way than the way that He had planned in His. And his carnal mind of what he does in the situation where he's betrothed to to marry a perfect woman and she gets pregnant out of wedlock. The angel offers a word of hope and perhaps more than anything, this angel of God in that moment gives Joseph not just a way forward, but a glimpse of himself that he had not acknowledged quite yet. You see, Joseph, like us, in that moment learned that he was a sinner in need of a savior. And this child to be born to Mary was indeed the Savior of the world. In that moment, Joseph was offered mercy so that he could extend mercy to Mary. A second chance, if you will. Now, for some of you that know the story, you're thinking, well, yeah, I don't know. if um, Mary needed mercy. Mary didn't, I mean, Mary wasn't in trouble because of any of her own doing. She was... Uh, it was an immaculate conception, right? Like, the Holy Spirit is is the Father. God is the one that impregnated her. And and that may be true, but of course, the Bible, of course, is giving us various perspectives of the the Christmas story from different angles. And this is Joseph's angle, and guess what? Joseph only knows what he knows, right? Joseph only knows what he knows. And at this point, he knows that he's in a predicament, and everything isn't quite right, even though he doesn't know the, the whole picture. And so the thing for Joseph to do that he's not thinking about doing is to offer the gift of mercy. That Mary might fulfill the role God has chosen for her to bear the Messiah. And, and here's what mercy looks like as Joseph extends it to, to his betrothed Mary. It's, it's she would, he would take her to, to be his wife that he would selectively love her and care for her and support her and uphold her as she bears this child that would become his. And Joseph also gets to love this child, this Messiah, this Christ child, in the same way. He gets to love him unconditionally and sacrificially, offering everything that he has to protect this child and lead this child and raise this child and grow this child so this child might become the merciful Savior that God God incarnated the second person of the Trinity to be. That's Joseph's task, to extend mercy so that the plan of God would happen. And so in the middle of the night, this word word from the angel pierces Joseph's heart. He wakes up, and of course he reverses his decision about divorcing Mary quietly. He takes Mary to be his wife, and because of the angel's word, they live faithfully to each other, and he becomes the father of the Son of God. That's Christmas. And and no doubt, the journey to this point in God's story of redemption hinges on this idea of mercy. Mercy. Someone defined mercy as, as compassion. Mercy is the compassion that we extend to, to those, even those who might not deserve it. It's, it's forgiveness. It's the, it's the compassion and forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within our power to punish or harm them. And that describes Joseph's situation almost perfectly. He had the power to punish or harm Mary, and yet he extends mercy. And that mercy manifests as unconditional love toward her, and, her and, and the Christ child. It manifests as sacrificial favor. It shows up as mercy. Mercy required Joseph to push past all those things that he's struggling with. And, and probably not in strength that he had on his own, with a little bit of God's help, a lot of God's help, he ends up doing the merciful thing. And because he does that, we all receive that same gift by the grace of God, made possible through Joseph's first extension of mercy, made possible by God's willingness to meet Joseph in the darkness, we all get a second chance. That's that's how this works. The path out of darkness, it turns out, away from the brokenness of our lives into the beauty that God calls us to, is mercy. And the thread that connects this whole story, this whole Christmas story, is this beautiful theme of mercy. As God reaches down, He meets us in the middle of our own darkness, and he offers us a word of hope and of encouragement. He encourages us to receive his mercy, and then he challenges us to live boldly, to live courageously by extending mercy everywhere we go. And what that means for us, living in the day that we live, is that mercy matters. It matters a whole lot. Think of the world we live in today. A world where we're witnessing increasing levels of violence and terror and fear and hatred that challenge our everyday living. Think of the country that we live in, the United States of America, that at this moment is, is more divided than it is united on a number of issues, on a number of fronts. Yeah, here's what the testimony of Scripture says. The the testimony of Scripture says that we have a God whose mercy toward his creation endures forever. That's what the psalmist says over and over. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. In the Gospels, mercy sets the context for much of Jesus' teaching. In Matthew's Gospel in particular, Jesus shows himself to be the very face of mercy. When he tells his disciples these words, he says, go and learn what it means. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so according to your Bible, mercy does matter. And here's why it matters. It matters because we all need it. We can't come to faith without it. We can't have an enduring relationship with others and with God without it. But mercy also matters because it's what we can, uh, it's what joins us all together in spite of our differences. And, and this is what God reminds us of during, during Advent. Life and light emerging from darkness, beauty coming from brokenness, mercy as the promise of God for those who are merciful. Jesus says it best in the Beatitudes. What does he say? He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And Jesus knows this best. Why is that? Because Jesus becomes the face of God's mercy. So let me ask you, Transit Church, how do you connect with this idea of mercy? How, how do you personally connect to the idea of mercy? I gotta be honest, I connect through it through the, the, the Karate Kid. You guys remember that 1980s um, movie made popular because they, they did a remake on Netflix called Cobra Kai. So you had Daniel LaRusso and his mom uh, come from wherever. They end up in Southern California. Uh, Daniel becomes uh, he gets bullied by some Karate Kids, right, that, that hang out in a dojo. Uh, where they're just taught to, to be aggressive and to hurt people and Daniel um, fortunately meets up with uh, an unassuming man called Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi uh, happens to be a karate master and he takes Daniel under his wings and he teaches Daniel a compassionate version of karate and it all comes down to this, you know, this karate tournament, a series of karate tournaments where it's, it's a more compassionate, merciful uh, type of of sport versus a a a, uh, a merciless sport, and in the end, uh, you, you should have seen the karate mo- karate kid, right? It's 1980. Go watch it. Mercy triumphs, right? Mercy triumphs. In fact, the the, the opposing dojo, Cobra Kai, which uh, the the new Netflix um, movie sort of picks up on this theme. Um, there's one uh, one theme that kind of overrides the whole the the whole dojo and it's that mercy is for the weak. Right? Mercy is for those that can't fend for themselves. Mercy is for losers, the, the sensei of the, of the Cobra Kai uh, uh, dojo says. I think what Advent shows us, uh, particularly through the, the life of Joseph, is that mercy isn't for the weak. right? The, the Cobra Kai sensei gets it wrong. Mercy is not just for the weak. It, it shows strength. Actually, mercy requires it. Mercy is made possible by God himself when he he breathes his life. He breathes spiritual life into our lives. And we prove the strength of mercy when we are, in turn, merciful to others. When we uh, choose in faith to receive God's mercy and then we extend it to others. That's what Advent's about. And so what we see in Joseph's story is that he acts mercifully. And when you think about Joseph's life, the mercy that he extends, uh, the mercy that he gives to Mary, really is extended throughout the the rest of his life. And so Joseph, he and and this this Christ child together live as a family after the birth of Jesus. We're told that Joseph leads uh, them through the mountains while Mary is, is full term to get to Bethlehem for the census. After that, he leads his family out of Bethlehem into Egypt so they could escape that that edict from Herod to kill all the the male kids that are born two years and. And under, at some future point, Joseph leaves this family, this family he's calling his own, to sell in Nazareth. And he fathers Jesus as though he were his own. But I think that the, the part about Joseph's story that's not talked about are the parts where, because he married Mary, he would not have received the mercy that he actually extended to other people, that he extended to her, that he extended to this baby Jesus. What's not talked about is the, the gossip that he would have Um, experience. The looks, the whispers, there's not a person in their day that would not have known that Mary was was pregnant out of wedlock. What's not talked about is is him risking his life under the eyes of the law to take in a woman that had gotten pregnant outside of marriage. The, The lack of mercy he would have received for marrying Mary. Interestingly, in the gospel accounts, Joseph really just fades in the background. We, we hear about Joseph up to about 12 years old when, Jesus, when Joseph and Mary take Jesus to Jerusalem. He gets lost in the temple. They actually leave and head back to, to Nazareth and leave Jesus there and have to end up going back to get him. There's a couple of appearances of, of, of Jesus' mother Mary and their brothers in later gospel accounts, but for all intents and purposes, Joseph just disappears. So scholars tell us, and we're assuming this because there's no record of Joseph anywhere else in the Bible beyond this point, that when, Joseph, when Jesus starts his public ministry, Joseph is probably dead. And definitely as Jesus hangs on the cross and he looks at his mother and he looks at John and tells John to take care of his mother in that moment, Joseph is, is, is long gone. Joseph in faith knew that there was something special about this son that he was privileged to raise, But think about this. He never got to see Jesus' ministry. He never got to hear Jesus' words that brought life. He never got to see any of his miracles. And yet his mercy, his mercy to Mary is what brings all this about. And so it turns out mercy requires strength. But that's what God extends to Joseph so that he could become the father of of the Lord, of, of our Christ. So that we could ultimately receive Jesus as the face of God's mercy. And so all I have to say, transit church, this Advent, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. Which one do you want first? You can't get the bad news first, right? All right, right, here's the bad news. For those procrastinators out there, you got like five, four days. Four days in a wake up to get your presents. And I think you might be too late on the shipping, the shipping stuff. You're going to have to put your mask on, like swab up with some sanitizer, and head out to a physical store here in Northern Virginia somewhere to get those gifts. And Lord have mercy on those of you, like myself, that have not gotten any gifts yet because we are hurting, right? But, but here's the good news. This is the good news for us all. There, there are five days left before we celebrate with great anticipation the coming of Jesus. light and life comes and it pierces the darkness. And this baby born in the manger is where God's mercy meets our weakness and provides for us the Savior of the world, Jesus, born as a baby, the one who has come, and yet at Advent we celebrate the one who will come again. And let me conclude with this. And this is a challenge, really. And here's our challenge. It's let's lead with mercy. Think about a world that you live in and how it is now, and what would happen if all of us led our lives in a more merciful perspective, a more merciful stance let 's lead with mercy into our near future, filled with hope that God has promised us a hope for hope a, 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 a hope for love and joy and peace and of mercy, and together operating through this lens of mercy that we individually and corporately might push back darkness and experience the light everywhere we go as we're also extending it to those around us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful. Thank you for your words. Thank you for the life of Joseph. Lord, uh, An unassuming figure in the grand scheme of, of scripture, one that we could very much overlook because the Bible kind of sort of does that in his life. But in the likes of of Joseph, he faced the background uh, really having fulfilled your purposes in his life, but more importantly the mercy that extends to his betrothed Mary ends up being the mercy that we receive as Jesus becomes our Savior. So we thank you for Joseph. We thank you for the this Christmas story. We thank you for the good news and the bad news that comes at Advent. Very likely here amidst the, the lights and the food and the, the festivities of, of Christmas are those that are mourning, that are grieving, that, that Christmas with lights and, and pomp and, and, and ceremony on the inside, it still feels like we're alone and, and dark and that we can't tell anybody what's going on. So I pray for, particularly for those people that this is a difficult season. I pray for those who've lost loved ones for various reasons this year, and I pray for all of us who will experience a little bit different holiday season this year because we aren't around as many friends and family and loved ones as we would care to. So Lord, would you take our, hmm, all those things that we, we miss and so dearly want, and would you um, wrap them up in hope that's not forlorn? Lord, we thank you for Jesus. It really is the, the season that we think, not just of the gifts that we get, but the gifts that you've given us in the person of Jesus. And, and let this Christmas uh, not be remiss without our celebration and our worship of him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen.